Welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Now, following the theme, of course, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I want to read you this scripture, uh, part of which is referred to up there. It's in Romans. Uh, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. I've been enjoying this recently because it just helps you get a fresh look. Sometimes I must admit I read it and think, no. But <laughs> and other times I think, oh, wow, that's so good. Remember, if you read a translation like this, you need to read uh, something like a New International Version alongside it because this, uh, it's, a, it's a brilliant translation. It, 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 it's really great to read, but it can reflect uh, only one direction of what that can mean because that's, it's trying to capture it a little bit more. But uh, this is really good. Uh, This is for Paul writing to the Christians in Rome. And it's about the transforming power. I mentioned that earlier. This whole point of of us going into a time of generosity is to allow transformation. If you know your Bibles, which most of you will, some of you may not, there's a a narrative, a story uh, of when Jesus um, was... Well, it's called the Mount of Transfiguration now, but he was probably on a large hill with Peter and John. And uh, it talks about that they saw that they were transfigured. And what it was was they had a powerful encounter with God together, and it was like they looked different. They were transfigured. Well, this word transfigure and transformation, it's the same word. Uh, And this whole thing of God changing us is about transfiguration which is why you want to be sowing generously, because you don't want just a little bit, you want the the full work of what's going on. And do you ever sometimes get frustrated with what goes on in here? A little bit fed up with the way you think? Well, the whole transformation thing is about renewing our minds. Anybody want a renewed mind? Not a removed mind, a renewed mind. Okay, God's not going to take away your thinking. God's not going to take away your intelligence. But it's about our thinking being renewed with faith. Our thinking being renewed by relationship with God. Okay, that's what this transformation or transfiguration is supposed to be. Have you ever seen some of those old paintings where you see halos around people's heads sort of painted on, elaborate in gold? Why did they do that? It's, it, well, there, there are different reasons, but one of them is it's representing transfiguration and renewing of mind, of having a, a holy understanding of God. And it wasn't, it's not just for a special group, it's actually all of us. And there have been many accounts of people even seeing sort of the same sort of thing that people saw with Peter and John and on Jesus, a transfiguration. So a glow. Readybeck, I always thought it was, but... That's just for the older ones amongst us. Anyway, here's Romans 12. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvellous mercies? You're forgiven. That's his marvellous mercy. God holds nothing against you. When you come to Jesus, you've, obviously you repent and you're talking about going his direction, beg your pardon. It's a marvellous mercy. It falls from heaven upon us like rain. Just pours out upon us. Forgiveness, forgiveness. His mercy is not mean, it is generous. His mercy is seen with the woman caught in adultery, who he just stands there and says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. He sort of stands there protecting her. And he stands there protecting you today. Hallelujah. 
he stood at the bottom of the tree of Zachar. Uh, what's his name? Zacchaeus. Once you get Zachariah in your head, you can't get the other one. Zacchaeus. He stood at the bottom of Zacchaeus' tree and generously, I like, I like the way you can put this, invited himself for dinner. <laughs> but it was generous because he, everybody around was hearing that. They could hear Jesus' acceptance of one of the worst men in the village or the town. He was saying, I'm coming to eat with you, which was the highest compliment, particularly in that culture, that could be played at that moment, that could be given at that moment. He's generously there. His marvellous mercy knows no end. His mercy is there to enable transformation and change. His mercy isn't there so that we can just go on sinning. His mercy isn't there just to allow us to keep getting angry with people or keep being selfish people or think we're the most important thing in the world. That's not what mercy is there for, although mercy will always extend beyond that. Mercy is to enable you to be free from that. If, if you're the most important person in the world to you, you're not actually free. You're actually caught up because God has enables us to be generous because he is generous. Have you ever thought you're more important to Jesus than he, Jesus was to himself because he gave himself up? He gave his life up so that you could have one. And then he says, go and do likewise. I mean, it's a challenge. I, I admit it. Anyway, let's see. Let's get back to this. Uh, what's our proper response to God's mer- marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to be his sacred living sacrifices. He's just saying, just live for God. Don't hold back. If you, if you try and hold back, if, you've, you know, if, you, if you can't be, if you'd rather just be at home on a comfy sofa, you're going to be at home on a comfy sofa, but you won't be reaping from the life that he has for you. He said, I am the way, so you need to see what I did. He didn't sit around on a sofa. He was, he was not saying you can't ever sit on a sofa, but you get the picture. He was out there making a difference. And he calls us to be the same. Not so that we, our lives are lost in the misery of servitude, but so our lives are transformed into what actually he's called us to be. Because there'll be many of you in this room that have never really had people speak over you. You should do this. You should go and do this. You should take the initiative in this. You've had teachers. You've had parents. You've had other people who've spoken negatively in your life. Well, they're wrong. It's time to rise up. You know, sometimes people, in the, sometimes people say they're challenged because I say, God has called you into leadership. I say, oh, I'm not a leader. Who knows what God can do with you? But when we think, oh, I'm not a leader, it's because we're thinking, uh, uh, even in the best, kind of a flat line from where we are right now. But God is transfiguring you or transforming you from glory to glory to glory. And you just don't know what God could do with you. It's not all about your, how good you were at school or how, how well you did it in a previous job. It's about what, how God is going to be glorified in your life. And how does God get glorified in your life? By becoming a living sacrifice that says, I want to do what God wants, not what I want, not what just looks the best. Because if we do those things, we will have a life, but not the life. Because we're actually made for this. And when we pull back from it, it restricts that. Live in holiness 
experiencing all that delights his heart. Just think God being delighted with your life. He, I mean, he delights in you, full stop. But he does delight to see you doing, this, doing the things that he's given us to do. Jesus said, follow me. Jesus told his disciples to teach the new ones, you know, teach them to do all the things I've commanded you. He didn't just say, let them have life and go and have fun. There was a, do what I've commanded and you will truly have fun in the sense of truly have life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But to engage with the life fully, you've got to also go the way and understand the truth. Uh, Or live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Worship is not just about us being together on a Sunday or on a Thursday night, come to that, or even a house church. It's about how our lives are. What are our lives full of? And... So stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. This is so key and it's so powerful, especially in the days when we carry that worldly culture around with us in our pocket all the time. It's constantly going beep or quietly on silent mode in our pocket, bringing some worldly culture literally into our body. Yeah, I, I know phones can be used for marvellous good, but we need to remember this is, by, by and large, most of what's on your phone, whether it's games or social media or anything else, is going to be worldly culture. Okay? And, and, and inevitably, what we see is what we copy. It's how children learn, but adults are the same. We, we copy and imitate without thinking very often the attitudes of the world around us. So that, for example, today's young Christians, many of them will happily sleep with different people before they're married because that's just what the world does. They're just imitating the way the world lives. That's not the way God calls us to live. God calls us, live to, calls us to celibacy until we are in a married relationship. That's like a standard that's on, on the moon compared to what people feel of today. His marvellous mercy reaches right into that, but he wants us to be transformed from that. And the world will say that, well, that's just prison. And God will actually say, no, that's freedom. And even if we've been, if we've been in those situations, God's saying, but I can take you to another place. I can take you to a higher level of freedom. There'll be many of us in this room that that haven't kept to that standard, but God wants us to be transformed to enable us to. Um, But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. See, it's him that's doing it. So how does that happen? Through a total reformation or transformation of how you think. A lot of it's got to be in here. That's what I said at the beginning. Don't you get fed up with what goes on in here? How does it change by relationship with God, being filled with his spirit and knowing his word? This will empower you. I like that. This is what's up on there. It's just the end. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life. That's just great. We just remind ourselves your life is beautiful. I see I looked at you and you looked up there because it's slightly embarrassing. But your life is beautiful. It is beautiful. You have a wonderful family. Your, your legacy in this world is beautiful. Your legacy of what is to happen yet is beautiful. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying 
satisfying. That's a good word. It reminds us that God wants us to be satisfied with what he's given us to do. Not that we're making ourselves satisfied. Oh, well, I better be satisfied with that. It's that we are. It's like when you, when you have a good meal and you feel satisfied. You don't think, oh, that was very nice and the person was very nice cooking for me so I will show satisfaction. You just are. And God's life, when we're living this generous life of giving and receiving and, and, and not just copying the world around us, but finding how he has called us to live, is going to be satisfying, fulfilling, in other words, and perfect in his eyes. We can live a perfect life in God. That's God's standard. What does that mean? It means perfectly following his way. So that's kind of my introduction. And I just want to, I was trying to think of a, a way to just build just on that verse. And this is a little bit odd, so forgive me. Because while I was doing this, probably from that culture BP in my pocket, I came across um, a thing about looking after houseplants. It's not something I'd normally look up. So houseplants and me don't get on very well. But I, just, I was just intrigued. I mean, Jesus always talked about what was happening in the world around him, didn't he? And he used it to illustrate the kingdom. So I'm going to illustrate the kingdom with looking after houseplants. Yeah, because I've just found these pictures and thought, yeah, I'm going to use them. Now, unfortunately, this is what has often happened when I'm left in charge of the houseplants when Kate's away. <laughs> unfortunately, it's often how we can feel when life has become stressful. Am I alive or am I dead? You know, what do you feel like? Do you look like that? <laughs> or do you feel you look like that? I tell you something, God never sees you like that. Because he always sees the transformed you. And where he, you know, if you really want plants to do well, you've got to know and you've got to see what plants look like when they're healthy. If you think that's what plants look like, you're going to be very happy with your arrangement on the windowsill, aren't you? Thinking that's what they look like. So we need to know what God says we should look like. And let me tell you, it's full of life. It's luxuriant. It's green. It's not dry and brittle. It's not strained like that. It's, Jesus said, I'm life. So one of the things you've got to do then with this dead this plant that's not doing so well, it's not a dead plant, beg your pardon, but you've got to trim back those dead parts. So trimming back the dead leaves and stems to bring back life. Ever notice that's what God does with us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does. He gets rid of the bits that have no fruit. He gets rid of the bits that are not doing well. But there's, there's an element, if it's not just God, but it's us as well in God, looking carefully in our lives at what doesn't flourish. What have you been doing for years that's not doing you any good? Why are you allowing the dead leaves on your plant? It's about changing ways, old ways of doing things. It can be old ways of thinking. Oh, I never do this. I'd never succeed at that. Well, how about changing the way of thinking? How about getting hold of what God's saying and saying, okay, well, in God I can do all things, so therefore I can be successful at this, even though I never had. And start confessing that and letting God lead you in that way. I'm not talking about instant transformation, we, 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 a long time ago, we t I talked about Brian decided he was going to play keyboard in worship. 
and he just got up one Sunday and started playing because God had transformed him. Well, if, God, if Brian wants to be playing keyboard in worship, he can change his attitude, but the change of attitude will mean I need to get trained. I need to practice. I need to learn. No, no, if, if, a, if a musician is generous, that is by practicing. That is by doing the routine stuff behind the scenes. It's not all just a flow in the spirit. Anybody preaching, you've got to be reading the, the word. You've got to be walking with God. You've got to be in relationship with him. Otherwise, it just needs to be trimmed off. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because what you're left with is healthy. It's like, I'm getting rid of that. That's not bringing me life. Who, you know, sometimes it's even just who we're hanging out with. I'm not talking about cutting off, off from everybody and becoming a holy club. But sometimes there are just people you've always hung out with and you hung out with them a lot. Is it bringing life? Or not? Now, we don't want to cut ourselves off from reaching to those that don't yet know the Lord. Obviously not. But there are certain people that have too much influence. And the influence is not going from you to them. It's going from them to you. And sometimes I just need to not hang out with them so much. Or not at all for a while. I need to cut off the deadness in my life. And what, what, what is my time being used fruitfully? Or am I just wasting it away playing endless games on my phone or my iPad? I love playing little games on my iPad. But you can get addicted to it and find you spent hours... Was that a profitable use of time? Sometimes it's just great. You need some downtime. You need to relax. Absolutely. But we often use that then as an excuse to overdo it, don't we? This is what trimming the dead stuff out is, anyway. Um, then we've got this. This is a little bit more painful. Pruning. Because the problem with pruning is that even the good stuff gets cut back. I remember a great friend of mine once having a prophetic word that uh, I was uh, this uh, beautiful bush. And she said, and then in this this word, she said, and then the the, the bush got pruned. And you were just left with this stubby little bush with all all the leaves gone. I was like, I don't like that word very much. And she said, but the reason it's going to happen is because you're gonna, the, the branches need to be much stronger for what God has got you to carry in the future. This is a long time ago. It happened. And the branches did grow back stronger. So sometimes God has to prune as well. But he's a master gardener. He doesn't do it because he doesn't like you. Uh, he does it because he wants you to flourish. He's cutting off growth. So it doesn't look like you're going to flourish. It looks the opposite. You're, you're removed from something you were doing, perhaps, or you were in some kind of ministry that was good, and then it's just gone. It's like, what? It's God enabling the core plant to be healthy and to grow back even healthier for what you're going to be doing. Don't be put off by God's pruning. He is the master gardener. My father is the gardener, Jesus said. And gardeners, what do they do? They, they, they cut out all the dead parts, but they also prune. And there's no... I can't give you a rule for this is pruning and this is, this is the dead parts and this is the enemy trying to steal. You've got to know what... You've got, you can only discern it with you, God, and your friends, what's going on. 
Um, but if you're going to do all this, you need to diagnose the problem. If you, this is looking after houseplants, obviously. That's another example of my care for houseplants. Um, various problems can be things like water, nutrition, pests, diseases, and sunlight. You think, well, I thought sunlight was meant for health. Aha, uh -huh, but you will see. I've learned something. Um, firstly, this is an obvious one. You've got to water a thirsty plant. If you see brown leaves and it's dry around the edges and it's curled up, aha, it means I need water. We need water. If we don't allow ourselves to take on board water, we too are going to go brown and curly. <laughs> are going to dry up like those leaves. People say, why do I feel so dry? Why is my walk with God so dry? Maybe you're just not letting yourself be watered. Maybe you're not taking on board some water. Don't just blame God. Diagnose the problem and begin to see what's actually going on. Now, it's not always a lack of water, which is why you've got to be careful and know what's happening. But we need water. Where do we get watered? Well, water is often a picture or a waterfall, particularly of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the water of life. So how do you get that water? Well, I think it starts with your personal time with Jesus. You know, we talk a lot about community, but community comes out of our personal walk with God. It's all part of the same picture. You have to have that personal time. But it's also the personal time and the family or community time. You need both. The water is, you, you've, got to, you've got to have the fullness of what God's pouring out. Not just get watered on Tuesdays, but perhaps you need watering on Fridays. Odd days, I just chose out my head. But, and the watering happens in different ways, personally and with the family. So if you're dry... It's trying to just sit under that waterfall. It's not necessarily about getting on your face. It, it might be. It's not just about crying out to God, but sometimes it's just taking some time. God, I'm so dry, I'm sorry. I just haven't spent time with you. Will you water me? And because his mercy is just endless, he will. These are all just little things. This was an interesting one. It said um, sometimes with the... Uh, with a plant that's dry. The problem is not just watering, but it needs a change of humidity. It said put them in the bathroom. Because <laughs> it needs the water like that on the leaves, and the moisture gets absorbed through the leaves. And it just made me think, this is particularly where you need friends. You need, a sometimes just getting watered isn't enough. You do need a positive, encouraging atmosphere. You need people that speak life over you. Um, not all the time, because that, that would be unhealthy. You might need to be moved out of the bathroom. But if, sometimes this is part of the support. It's always part of the solution, is being in the right atmosphere. It's being with the right people. Because um, if you never spend time with the family, if, you know, it's, it's one of the purposes of house church. It's one of the purposes of just being with friends. It's just being, again, in that positive, encouraging atmosphere, so that you're being watered by God, but through others, as you're with them. It's part of what makes us dry. If we, if we cut ourselves off from that atmosphere, from that humidity, we can still be getting watered maybe through a personal time even, but you will be thirsty. 
because your thirst can't be fully quenched just by one-to-one with Jesus. It's not how he designed us. Um, impurities in the water can be a problem, even using tap water because of... Uh, different places have different levels of chlorine or even fluoride in the water it, that can actually be unhealthy for the plant so you might need to use rainwater or purer water instead of just straight out of the tap um, and in terms of being watered by God we're also watered by the sprinkling of, um, uh, by, by his word his word like washes us and cleanses us and you need to make sure that you don't just get your water from what other people are writing or saying. You can't just watch God TV and have a great walk with God. It does not work. You can't just read good books by Christian leaders and have a good walk by God. The fluoride in that book is bad for you. You need the pure water of God's word. You say, well, I don't always understand the Bible. Then ask the Holy Spirit to show you. You don't have to understand every word. You don't have to understand every passage. Nobody does. Nobody does. And you think, well, I don't know if I get that much out of the word. Lots of people read part of the Bible and don't understand it. It's okay. Mark Twain is famous for saying, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me, it's the parts I do understand. God will ensure you, need, you will understand the parts you need to understand. The Holy Spirit will renew your mind so that you do. So make sure that you're not just getting your source of word from things that are not straight from the Bible. Even if you've got one of those great Bibles with lots of teaching notes, they're good, but make sure you're not just reading the teaching notes. Read the original, and read the original before you read the teaching notes, because the Holy Spirit can break through and say something completely different to Selwyn Froggett's thoughts at the bottom, whoever he is. Okay. They might even, I think, you know, there can be a marvellous speaker, someone you see on God Channel, and they can have their own Bible edition. That's beautiful. But don't read their bit and not first God's bit and concentrate on God's bit. You know? The, The Passion Translation has some great notes in it, but don't get lost in the notes. Overwatered plants. Ah, that's the other opposite. Now, this is an odd one because if your plant's been overwatered, you have to replant it in drier soil. I said, oh, that sounds a little bit odd. But I just thought, well, to me, it just represents too much listening, too much reading, too much watching, and not doing. That's overwatering. You need some drier soil. You need to go and do something. You need to let that water. Uh, be spread out a little bit amongst the lives of other people. You just, you just, that's why you feel unhealthy. You think, I just need more, I just need more. No, actually, you need to stop. You need to give out. You need to let it flow through you. You're overwatered. You need replanting. Um, another one is that the plant needs to be in the light. Well, you can do your own sermon on that one. <laughs> <laughs> plants need to be in the light to grow. If they've got small pale leaves and weak stems and stunted growth, it needs to be, probably needs to be, in a more sunny location. Our lives need to be living in the light. The light of God, but also the light of others seeing who we really are. If we hide in the corner, our, light, our growth will be stunted. If we're not, if we're not living in real relationships with people, not every single person... That's impossible. 
But if we're not living in real relationships, we'll be pale. A pale reflection of what God has actually called us to be. And if we're not living in the light with one another, we will be stunted in our growth. It feels the opposite, because it's challenging. It's like we don't want to admit our mistakes. We don't want to admit what we got wrong. But if we develop a culture where we can be honest to one another and accepting one another and loving one another, because we all make mistakes and we all sin in this room and we all mess up, and we learn that, we don't accept that and say, oh, that's okay. We say, let's go forward together. We will actually all be stronger. I mean, obviously, we have to, you've got to, you, that's why you can't have a culture. That's why gossip is, so, is such a killer. It's like dropping poison in the soil because it destroys that culture of being open and honest with one another, which actually makes us stronger. Um, yeah, another solution is you just need to get a bigger pot. The plant's too big for the pot. The roots need space to grow. You can't just do what you've always done. You have to take on new things and new challenges. You need a bigger pot. You need different ways of doing things. God transforms us from glory to glory. You can't always just do things exactly the same way. It's like God says to you, see, I'm doing a new thing. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know if he actually says that. It's not there in the scripture. But there is that reflection of that in God. What, what are you being stretched in? Often the new thing is a development of what you're already doing. It's like, now add this to it. Now add talking to new people to it. Now add this ministry in this direction. And sometimes it's adding a completely different pot that you've never, ever had before. So I've never done that. No, exactly. You need a new pot so that you can continue to grow and be healthy. If we get too comfortable, we get pot-bound. So we're looking for, is God calling me to ministry? But remember that ministry is service, service that makes a difference. Is God giving you a new opportunity and you think, oh, I've never done that before. That looks a bit out of the picture. Maybe it's just a new pot to enable you to grow so those roots can grow deeper. Because the roots aren't going to grow deeper in isolation from life. They grow in the soil. Nearly done. Feed your plant. If you don't feed the plant, um, it would have stunted growth. Uh, it's just not enough food. I remember that Jesus said his food was to do the will of the Father. So it's taking on board the challenges and the adventures that God gives us, thriving on the food of doing God's will. Get some fresh soil. Now, there's another one, too much light. That's sort of an odd one. You think, well, what's that? Because it can dry the plant out. It's just some plants need a bit of shade. Um, well, if you only live your lives with others, it's the other way around to the, to the person that withdraws and just has a personal walk with Jesus. Some people go the other way and just live with others and forget the personal time. You do need some shade. You do need some time out of the light of others, not the light of God. Um, you do need a quiet spot with the Lord. If you don't, you'll experience burnout. Um, <laughs> Too much fertilizer apparently is not good for a plant and it also has to be at the right time. A lot of plants don't want fertilizer in the winter. I think conferences and events are brilliant, but you need to know when's right to go to them. Because too many of them will kill you because it's too much fertilizer. It's got to be processed, it's got to be fed upon. Get rid of pests. Parents, that doesn't mean your children. 
pests wreak havoc on plants. Uh, you can see abnormal, pests cause abnormal growth, deformed and discolored leaves. Sometimes, again, there's just things in our lives we need to get rid of. Identify the pests and get rid of them. Apparently, it says you can do things like leaving dirty pet footballs lying around that attract bad bugs into your house. This is my quote. So I just thought, well, don't leave sinful areas of your life without repentance because it will attract bad bugs into your house. I'll leave you with that one. Nearly there. Uh, get rid of diseases. Different plants, different people, are susceptible to different diseases. And the guide said that you need to ask, sometimes in certain situations with things, you need to ask a gardening expert to help you to identify and treat. Sometimes we need wise friends, or uh, that's why we need discipleship, this is why we need house church leaders, this is why we need church pastors, and this is why we need church leaders. We do need the gardening experts, sometimes to help us identify what the issue is. We can't always find the problem ourselves. It's good to do that. It's not good to sort of ask 50 million opinions but it is good to have an expert that knows you. Everybody, you know, you can go on YouTube and try and find the answer to your problem, but they don't actually know your plant. So it might be completely the wrong diagnosis, but Lord, the people that know you, they know you. Don't, don't think that Joyce Mayer has got the solution to every problem. She doesn't know you. The people around you know you, and together with the leading of the Holy Spirit, you can find the right thing. Is it water that's the issue? Is it too much sunlight? Is it pests? Is it disease? Is it nutrients? Are you over-fertilized? Are you under-fertilized? That's why we have friends. That's why we have leaders. That's why we have house church. To build in that accountability so we can be healthy plants. Don't want to look like that one. Last picture. This is tea, actually. A picture of health in the light altogether. It's a picture of this church. The sunlight shining, healthy, green. Now, if you do look closely, you might see some spots and blemishes. That's intentional. We're in the world. It's going to happen. All right, it's okay. The master gardener has left us with instructions on how to deal with that. And he's left us with instructions in how to live the generous life. This is the first time ever I've spoke about houseplants. <laughs> it will probably never happen again. <laughs> Be mightily blessed. <laughs> God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.